There we go. <clears throat> well, we're in Galatians, so go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Galatians. That's where we are. We're in the fourth chapter. Uh, last month, we ended up um, the last verse uh, there <clears throat> was um, verse 11, I believe it was, uh, 10. And um, we're going to move on, and we'll just keep going until we finish Galatians. But remember, as you turn, Galatians was written to a group of Christian churches in Asia Minor, in Turkey, now it's Turkey, and these churches were much like our churches today, uh, minus the technology, of course. So, um, so, so far, as we've been traveling through Galatians, we have seen Paul's heart for these churches. Um, and he stated uh, a lot of things in there about how he feels about the church. Uh, he had a heart of love, he had a heart of compassion, and he had a heart of concern for the people uh, that he was ministering to. And we see that coming out here in, um, in this epistle. Love, because as a Christian, we have a heart of love, because this is God's heart in us. So that's what was happening in Paul's heart. Same thing in us, right? So without this heart of love, without this heart of love, to you, I'm nobody. I'm nothing. I'm actually someone you couldn't even care if I lived or died. But because of the love in your heart for one another, yeah, it's amazing what God does. Compassion. We see Paul had compassion. Why? Because he knew what they were going through. He knew he could sympathize with them, he could empathize with them, and he cared about what they were going through. He was concerned. He wanted to help. He knew that the stakes of what he's talking to them about are extremely high. The stakes were life and death eternally. So, his concern for them was very, very deep. Think about this. Jesus was asked in Luke chapter 13 and verse 23. Jesus was asked a question, just a few words, very, very simple question. They said to him, are there few who are saved? Good question, right? Are there few who are saved? I like that question. Listen to Jesus' reply in verse 24. He said this, Strive to enter through the narrow gate. For many, I say to you, will seek to enter and will not be able. When once the master of the house has risen up and shut the door, and you begin to stand outside and knock at the door, saying, Lord, Lord, open for us. And he will answer and say to you, I do not know you where you are from. Then you will begin to say, we ate and drank in your presence and you taught in our streets. But he will say, I tell you, I do not know you where you are from. Depart from me, all you workers of iniquity. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth when you see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God and you yourselves thrust out. Now, think this through. This is the same line of concern. This is the same thought pattern that Paul had for the church here. And we saw that last month when we ended part five in Galatians in, um, in verse 11, right? Paul was saying that he was fearing for them. You see that there? 
In verse 11, he says, I am afraid for you, lest I have labored for you in vain. Well, last month we learned, we learned that he was laboring for them in the gospel as if a woman to give birth. He's laboring, but yet he was afraid. Yet he's afraid. Now, may we now be strong in our attentiveness as we hear these few verses we're going to go through. May we be attentive. May we be quick to hear. We want to be quick to hear. And we also want to be willing to obey. That's three things we only want to do today. We want to be strongly attentive. We want to be quick to hear. And we want to be willing to obey. So let's see what the Lord has for us as we look into verse 12, Galatians chapter 4. And we should be able, Lord willing, to finish the chapter. Brethren, verse 12, I urge you to become like me. For I became like you. You have not injured me at all. Let's just stop there for a minute. He says, be followers of me. That's what he says, right? Be followers of me. Paul was a good leader. Every leader has followers, okay? If you don't have any followers and you call yourself a leader, now question the leader part. But every leader has followers. Now, to follow Paul, who was their pastor at the time, right, would be a blessing for us if we had that, right? right? It would be a blessing for everybody. Paul was very different than most pastors back then in his day. Paul was not like most of those pastors. And I would say Paul is not like a lot of pastors of our day today either. But he says, be followers of me even, okay, in 1 Corinthians he says this in chapter 11, be ye followers of me even as I also am of Christ. You see that? So here he says in verse 12, I urge you to become like me. And then in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 in verse 1 he says, be ye followers of me even as I also am of Christ. Now here's a question. Can we honestly say the same thing, can we say the same thing as we go through the activities of our life each and every day? Think about it. As we go through the activities of our life every day, whatever it is you do, could we say to others, follow me as I follow Christ? Or can we say, be like me? That's a good question to ask ourselves. Look at verse 13. Verse 13 says, You know that because of physical infirmity, I preached the gospel to you at first. And my trial, which was in my flesh, you did not despise or reject, but you received me even as an angel of God, even as Christ Jesus. What then was the blessing you enjoyed? For I bear you witness that if possible, you would have plucked out your own eyes and given them to me. Notice how Paul brings them back to their first meeting that they had, right? He brings them back to when they first met. Now, when they first met, Paul had a physical infirmity. Physical infirmities are something Christians have to deal with. And when someone tells you 
You won't be sick. You won't be ill. You won't go through anything. If you got faith in Jesus, bring them to this scripture. Or if you don't want to talk to them, just remember this scripture. Christians have to deal with physical infirmities. Just ask me after service and I'll tell you a few of mine. Okay? But remember this scripture, if anyone ever does that to you. Remember now, Paul, while he was sick, was on his way to Galatia, knows that region, all right? He was on his way in the will of God, heading there to do what? To teach and preach the gospel. And what happened? He fell ill. Okay, all right. He says in verse 13, I preached the gospel unto you at first. Even in Paul's infirmed physical condition, he preached the gospel to them. Even though he was sick. What's the lesson that we learn from this one? Even if you or I are physically sick, keep sharing the gospel. Remember, it's not anything that you have. It's not how pretty you are. It's not how healthy you are. It's not how, how much power you have. The power to change a life is not in you. It is in the gospel. It is in God in you, working through you. Whether you're crippled or whether you're sick or whether you're like Paul on the bed, don't stop preaching, teaching, doing what God's called you to do, even if you're infirmed. I could have called up this morning and said, hey, guys, I'm, I had a rough night. I'm not making it. Take over. Even if you're sick. So that's where Paul was. Very interesting here, right? Hey, guys, I once, I once led a dental hygienist to the Lord while they were working. She was working on my mouth. <laughs> Can you imagine that? And I'm sure I looked very handsome at the time, which I never do, but anyway. And still, she gave a heart to the Lord Jesus. Do you understand? What? Yes, I understand. Do you want to pray and say yes to do? Yes, I do. Amazing. So it's not in us, okay, in, in those things, all right? Very interesting. He says in verse 14, he says, My trial, which was in my flesh, right? Do you see that, verse 14? And my trial, which was in my flesh. All right. Listen to what the King James Version says. My temptation, which was in my flesh. Okay. Notice the spin on that. Paul viewed his physical infirmity as something to prove or to try his faith in Christ. Whether he would keep on or he would quit. Have you ever wondered why sometimes things happen to you when you're just about to do something for the Lord? Yes, I'm going to go to the popcorn ministry and put those popcorn in the bag and eat probably half of them. But I'm going to go. And just as you step out the door, I don't know, something happens. And you know, Paul was looking at that as, hey, is this going to, am I going to push through this and still do what God wants me to do, regardless of how I am going, whatever I'm going through? I really like that about Paul, man. He, he was a stick to what God called him to do, regardless of what he was going to go through. And he would not quit. Now, how do we view our physical infirmities? How do we view 
our physical infirmities. It is so easy to follow Christ and do his will as things are going well. How many would agree to that? (laughs) Okay. Yet, when we can't sleep at night due to pain, or we have a heartache that's going on in our life, or we live what we thought would be an easy Christian life, and it all falls apart and becomes hard in a difficult Christian life, the question is, will we continue living for Christ or will we quit? How do we view our troubles and infirmities in our life? You know what I mean? So the viewing of them is very important. How do you view them? You view them based off of how you know God loves you. Does God love you? Yes. Is he control, in control of everything you're going through? Yeah, well, maybe not everything. No, let me, let me check that. Yes, everything. You're his kid. He's in charge and he's in control of everything. Nothing comes your way unless he okays it. So, if what you're going through is difficult, if it is an infirmity, if it is whatever... God loves you, and there's something happening, I don't know, behind the scenes, in the scenes, through the scenes, to bring about his purpose and plan that a loving God will do for his kids. So how do you view your infirmities? I view them now by how God loves me so much, and whatever I go through, he is leading me down that road. Isn't that beautiful? I'm telling you, it's great serving the Lord. So may we be like Paul and keep on going. Thank God. God, he did not stop because he was infirm, did not go to Galatia. You know, in verse 14 and 15, we read there, we looked at, as you see that, the character or the attitude toward Paul from these believers. Did you notice that? It says there that they did not despise Paul, nor did they reject Paul while he was infirmed. (laughs) While he was all sick and laid up in a mess, They did not despise him. They did not reject him. What does this show? This shows that they looked past what they could see with the eyes. And they saw their need for what he was preaching about, even though he was all a mess. They saw their need. They looked past what the the physical is. May we also not look at the person or how evangelical or pastoral they look in order to receive from them. May we view the vessels that God is using, whoever they are, whether they're on crutches, <laughs> or whether they're infirmed, or whether they're high, uh, low in, in, in their authority, or whether they're short, or whether they're tall, or whether they're rich, or whether they're poor. It doesn't matter. Vessels of God, God can use To anyone, anywhere, at any time. And just look what happened to Galatia. Look what happened to all these people. Lives were changed because they looked past what they saw, but they saw what he was preaching and they wanted it for themselves. Beautiful. So guys, don't stop sharing the gospel, especially with your loved ones. Don't stop. Keep it going. Keep it going. It says here, Also, they received Paul as an angel of God. Did you see that there? That they received Paul as an angel of God, even as Christ Jesus. Now, the character of these believers early on showed how they took Paul in as if they were taken in Jesus himself. Amazing attitude. Think about this for a minute. 
Think about this. If you knew nothing of Christ, you're not saved. And then you came to know the forgiveness of your sins through Jesus. You were washed from them and set free from the guilt and from all of the shame. And Jesus asked to come home with you. And to follow you around every second of the day and night. Would we receive Jesus with the same character attitude that the Galatians did for Paul? Wow. May our answer be, of course, Lord. <laughs> of course. That's what we want. Now, Paul's infirmity here, okay, Paul's infirmity may be, may be related to what he said in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. He said this, and lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations, a thorn or a tent spike in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan, to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. So many have guessed that this thorn in his flesh may have been what we see here in Galatians 4.15. It may be alluding to it. Paul's thorn in his flesh. It may have been Paul's eyes, because it says here about his eyes, right? In some way, whatever it was, uh, his eyes might have been affected by this thorn. However, however, look at the depths of the heart of this church towards Paul early on. Only God can change a heart of a person to look at another person that way. Only God can do that. You cannot love your neighbor as you love yourself unless God has changed your heart. You cannot be that good Samaritan as you walk along the road and see someone in need and help them with a pure heart unless God has changed your heart. Beautiful, beautiful revelation. Beautiful revelation. Now, may this type of Christian character of the Church of Galatia be said of us. May we be the same character, which is Christ, the same attitude, which is Christ, as we look at others as they looked at Paul and received him. Remember, the church started out in Christ and they were doing the right thing. However, however... Paul is now reprimanding them and he's trying to get the church away from false teachings and he's trying to get them back to the gospel, right? Back to the gospel. Look at verse 16. He says, Have I therefore become your enemy because I tell you the truth? Telling the truth can cause enemies in the church. Did you know that? It sure did for him. Uh, even, though, even though this is true and we know that that happens in church, don't stop telling the truth. Even though enemies will arise when you speak the truth, keep telling the truth. Keep speaking the truth. Don't water it down. Don't back down. God's going to work through it. Verse 17 he says, they zealously court you. <laughs> they zealously court you, but for no good. Yes, they want to exclude you, that you may be zealous for them. Now, 
they, they here, the zealousy, those that are courting them, the they zealously court you, the they there, are those teachers who were trying to get them to go back and be under the law in order to be saved or in order to have a right relationship with God, a daily going on right relationship with God. I want you to follow the law. I want you to be under the law. That's the they here. These guys wanted them to follow their false teachings and to be zealous for them, not Christ. Anytime, anytime someone has a teaching that lifts up anything but Jesus as the center of the teaching, okay, don't follow it. Don't follow it. Now, even if a Jewish rabbi came in and he's unsaved and taught you the way to God, don't follow it. Don't even go that way. Listen to what Jesus clearly said in John chapter 5. Verse 23 to 24. Listen to what Jesus said very, very clearly. That all should honor the Son just as they honor the Father. He who does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who hears my words, my word, and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into judgment but has passed from death into life amazing okay so if Jesus is not the center you don't want to have anything to do with it and these guys were coming in to these wonderful beautiful Christians that were pointed in the right direction by Paul and try to get them off track Paul knew that this pernicious teaching would damn them to hell. He knew that. Paul knew that. And I use that word pernicious for a reason. Okay? This word pernicious expresses for me what their false teaching meant. Listen to what the word pernicious means. Harmful. Their teaching is harmful. Damaging. Destructive injurious, hurtful, detrimental, dangerous, adverse, harmful, unhealthy, unfavorable, bad, evil, baleful, which means unfriendly, wicked, malign, malevolent, which means hostile, malignant, cruel, noxious, which means deadly, poisonous, corrupting. That's what that word means, and that is exactly what false teaching does. So, don't be fooled. It is so important for us to take God's word for what it says. It is so important to read God's word each and every day of our Christian life, our Christian experience. God's word has a way of pointing us like a compass, gets us on the right azimuth. I mean, some of you might be so spiritually intelligent and, and intellectual and everything. You don't, you know, you're good to go. Not me. I get off track like probably a million times a day. And if it's not for God's word to bring me back and to bring me back, 
I mean, I am so inept at this, I have to write down on pieces of paper scriptures that God shares with me in the morning or in the afternoon or whether I write them down and I keep them on my pocket so I can open it up and I can read it and go, oh, oh yeah, I remember that, Lord. All right, I see. That's how I am. But what the Word of God does is it gets you right back where you need to be because it's just a matter of time before the enemy comes along and the enemy tries to lie to you. Did you know that's what he does? He lies to you. And he fills your mind with all kinds of stuff. And one thing that I want you guys to use, especially when it comes to him lying about the brethren, is I want you to use that question to yourself. Who told me that? Oh, man, that rich boy, I tell you, he, he, I'm, uh-uh, this something about, I know he's thinking this. I know, you know, now you're a mind reader. I know he feels this. I know he that. Ask yourself, who told me that? Did anyone tell me that? No. Well, where'd that come from? It ain't come from God. Hey, Rich, let me ask you a question. Do you really feel like, what in the world? Who told you that? I love you. <laughs> you see how that works? God is good, and his word is just, his word is amazing. His word keeps us right where we need to be. Okay, verse 19. My little children, for whom I labor in birth, again unto Christ is formed in you. I would like to be present with you now and to change my tone, for I have doubts about you. Wow. Now. The church was considered by Paul as little children. So I like to look at us as little children, even especially me. I like to look at us as little children. So I'm not going to take myself so serious when I spill the milk. <laughs> or I leave the door open and the cat or the dog run out. I'm not going to go crazy and ballistic over that anymore. I'm a little kid, all right, all right, that's what I do. Well, the same thing with us spiritually. We're going to make our mistakes. We're going to stumble. Hey, hang in there, little children. God loves you, man. He knows just how to get you right back. Don't take it so serious. God's in charge. And remember, God doesn't change. You do. Last night when God was in your room and you were worshiping and praising and worshiping and everything was great, I had a great worship time with the Lord and went to bed and I slept awesome. And I woke up with the lousiest attitude, don't know what happened. Screamed at everybody, kicked the cat and the dog, which I don't have a cat dog. And I didn't know what in the world was going on. And you look up at God and say, God, God said, whoa, 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 children, child, I don't change. I love you just as much as I loved you. I'm with you as much as I was with you last night. The issue here is you. You changed. <laughs> so remember that I love you. Let's get going through this day. And let's make this happen. You watch what God does. Changes your attitude. Changes how you feel. Changes how you look at people. Changes how you think about life. You just ask him, Lord, help my attitude. If you're married, you're like, don't let my spouse wake up now because I'll chew him out or her out. So change my attitude when they wake up that when I see them, I go, ha ha, I love you, good morning. And after you do that, you're like, where did that come from? It came from God. Changing your attitude. So they're little children. Paul was working hard as a woman 
is in labor so Christ can be formed in them. He was working hard as a woman giving labor. Did you see that? So that Christ can be formed in them. And what was the reason? So he could get a paycheck and have a nice donkey. I was going to say a nice car. A nice donkey. No, that was not Paul's purpose for that. Why do you think the people here work so hard in what they do for one another? Why do you work so hard at your Christian walk with God and loving one another and doing what God's called you to do? For a paycheck? For a bigger donkey? No. <laughs> no, not at all. That's not why. And, and I love this. I love this. Paul was not physically with them, which is why he wrote this letter. However, this epistle to them, as they heard it read, had a tone which gave off this attitude that he had doubts if some of them were even saved. Wow. Did you see that? The end of verse 20? I would, look at verse 20 again. I would like to be present with you now and to change my tone, for I have doubts about you. Have you ever had doubts about somebody's Christian walk with God? You know, I'm not a judge. I am a fruit inspector. Look at the fruit that comes out of your life. A Christian is like a fruit tree, right? We, fruit comes out of us. So it's a natural thing to see the, the fruit that God produces out of your life. If, you, if you're not seeing any fruit, or if you're seeing the wrong fruit, you begin to have doubts. Paul had doubts about the brethren over there. I'm sure there's a lot of on fire strong Christians in, in, in the churches of Galatia, but as a whole, man, he was worried. He was worried about them. You know, it's okay to be worried and have doubts about someone's faith. That's a time for us to step up in prayer and start to live the life even better for Christ. I tell you one thing, when they see how God brings you through the toughest times of your life or gives you the joy and the strength and the blessings, or I don't know, how do you have peace in the midst of what you're going through type life, it makes them think. It makes them question, hey, do I really have the real relationship that they got? And then the Holy Spirit begins to work on their heart. So keep it up, guys. Keep living for God. Be encouraged. Now, some might, might say that Paul was, was a judge, right? But, however, as their pastor, he had to address the way that they were living and believing, and he had to give them the truth. As the pastor of those churches, he had to he couldn't coddle them to that point. He had to deal with what they were believing, how they were believing it, how they were living, and he had to tell them the truth. Life or death eternally was in the balance for the churches of Galatia. Life or death eternally were in the balances for that church here, these churches. And so it is for us. When we deal with people that are not saved or may not be saved, and everything goes fine today and everything's going great. 
at a split second, your whole life can change. And you could go from healthy and perfect and going somewhere to eat to in an ambulance heading to the hospital with your vital signs going down. Life or death eternally is in the balance. For us that are saved, we're, we're good. I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready to go to heaven. Let it happen now. I don't care. I'm on my way. Guys, whatever I own, you can have. I'm on my way. But if you're not saved and you don't know, that must be the scariest place to be in your life. I was there once. Not knowing? Life or death was in the balance. Paul had to deal with that here. Listen to what Jesus said in John chapter 8 verse 24. You see, these false teachers, they had a way of spinning things and twisting things. And Listen to what Jesus said about believing life or death, right? He says in John 8, 24, for if you do not believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. Who is Jesus? What does it mean to believe in the I am he statement here? Well, Isaiah 9, 6 sums that up of who Jesus is. Isaiah 9, 6 says, For unto us a child is born. Hey, that's the virgin birth. Unto us a son is given, the only begotten son of God. And the government will be upon his shoulder. He has all authority. And his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Jesus is God. Everlasting Father. Jesus said, He who has seen me has seen the Father. And it ends by saying, Prince of Peace. So, I got to repeat myself and I got to say this. How we believe and what we believe in and about Jesus is a matter of life or death. That is why Paul was so concerned and had doubts and wrote this strong epistle. He loved them. Remember, he had a heart of love, a heart of compassion, and a heart of concern. How, how Paul dealt with this was beautiful. These next ten verses, as we read them, they're going to direct our attention somewhere. And notice how this works. This is beautiful. They will direct our attention back to Genesis chapter 16. To the days of Abraham, Sarah, Isaac, Hagar, Ishmael. These next ten verses. Here Paul will speak about two covenants. Which we Christians are under one covenant, right? Which is the second one. The new covenant. And as we read these verses, remember, who are you in Christ? When we read these ten verses, guys, who are you in Christ? So remember who you are and remember how you got there through the blood of the Lamb. As we read these ten verses, okay, let's get ready to read them. We're going to start in verse 21 and read to the end and we're going to finish. So as we read these, remember 
who you are in Christ and remember how you got there. Tell me, you who desire to be under the law, do you not hear the law? For it is written that Abraham had two sons, the one by a bondwoman, Hagar, remember guys? And the other by a free woman, that's Sarah, beautiful Sarah, remember that? But he who was of the bondwoman, remember the he is Ishmael, right? He who was of the bondwoman was born according to the flesh. Remember, he did it, they, Abraham and, 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 and they did it their way. They, they knew God's promise. They knew what God wanted to do. So they went about it their way. They wanted to do it in their thought pattern, their method, their process. With the Hagar, with the Ishmael, and that all produced, right? So that's how that all happened. It was according to the flesh. And look at the rest of that verse. And he of the free woman, now that's Isaac, right? And he of the free woman through promise. And you remember how Isaac got there, well, Abraham, 100 years old. His wife's 90. How many of you women want to have a baby at 90? How many of you men want to have a kid at 100? <laughs> but the promise, Right? He says here, verse 24, which things are symbolic. Okay, so now we get into this symbology thing here, right? He says, which things are symbolic. So let's look at that. For these are, okay, we just talked about, these are the two covenants. Ah, the one from Mount Sinai, which gives birth to bondage, which is Hagar. What happened at Mount Sinai? What did God give at Mount Sinai? Gave the law. He, he told them pretty much, thou shalt, you know, thou shalt not, right? And every one of them is going to fail it like we do. There's no way to make it. Right? It's in bondage, which is Hagar. Look at verse 25. For this Hagar is Mount Sinai in Arabia and corresponds to Jerusalem, which now is and is in bondage with her children. So Paul's telling you guys, look at the Jerusalem of today. Look at all of the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees and all of the other seas that are running around here in Jerusalem, bound by the law. That's what you're looking at there. Then he goes on. Verse 26, but the Jerusalem above, so there's another Jerusalem, the Jerusalem, Jerusalem above is free, which is the mother of us all. Free because of what? Free because of the promise, free because of faith. The promise was by faith. So this new Jerusalem, where we're at right now, it's faith. Oh, God is so good. He says here, for it is written. I love how he goes back to the Old Testament. Rejoice, O barren, you who do not bear. Break forth and shout, you who are not in labor. For the desolate has many more children than she who has a husband. Now we, and I love the we, I love the we, guys, that's us. Now we, brethren, as Isaac was, are children of promise. Think about that. You and I are just like him. We are children of Wait a minute. I don't know. You are a child of promise. Wait a minute. What does that mean if I'm a child of the promise? Well, let me read a little bit more. But as he who was born according to the flesh 
right, Ishmael, then persecuted him who was born according to the Spirit. How was Isaac born? According to the Spirit. How were you born? Born again, according to the Spirit. Even so, it is now. Nevertheless, verse 30, what does the Scripture say? Cast out the bondwoman and her son, for the son of the bondwoman shall not be heir with the son of the free woman. Remember that. He's telling them the works of the Lord is no way going to be part of the free. No way what you do to get to God is going to do anything. It's all by faith. It's all by promise. A beautiful, beautiful picture here. I love his symbology. Verse 31. So then, brethren, we are not children of the bondwoman. That's what he says. But of the free. We learned in Galatians 3.29 this. Remember I said, Remember who you are in Christ and remember how you got there, right? Remember what we said in Galatians 3.29 a few weeks ago, well, months ago. And if you are Christ, and we are, those of us that are saved, then you are Abraham's seed. <laughs> and heirs according to the promise. And if children, in Romans 8.17, and if children, then heirs... Heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. It just gets better. If indeed we suffer with him, are you suffering with him? Hmm. That we may also be glorified together. We have a glorious heritage and future in Christ. There is no doubt. And if there's anyone throwing doubt your way, you are a child of the promise if you're saved. <laughs> there is nothing to take away the blessings of being an heir of Almighty God. Now you tell me, is that amazing or what? Remember who you are and how you got there. Amen? There we ended the chapter. We're going to have our last song and. Let's ask God's blessing. Father, how good it is to be wrapped up in your arms. <laughs> how good it is to know where we're going to end up if we leave this earth with a last breath even today. Oh God, you love us so very much. You've filled us. You've, you've given us something to think about. Let us be quick about obeying what you say. Thank you for keeping us attentive. Thank you for your wonderful mercy and grace. Keep us strong in your word, strong in prayer, strong in fellowship. And we ask your blessings in Jesus' name.